to stay with us. So may the Lord bless you. I uh, uh, want to say we are growing apostolic legacy. We have a great, uh, a great uh, group of folks here, and there are people that are not in our sanctuary right now that are out in the kitchen area and that have been setting up and that are downstairs working in Sunday school. And it has been a, a great team effort. And as I mentioned earlier, this coming Saturday, we're going to try to clean and have a church cleaning and try to get ourselves uh, kind of geared for spring and summer. And I know it has been uh, a long, dark year. 2020, and I'm hoping, I, although I understand we try to still be respectful and wear a mask and, uh, and try to uh, be socially distant, and there are several that have been vaccinated, some that have not, and some of you that have, and you're, you know, we don't want anyone to feel uncomfortable. We have some in the, in the prayer room here to my right and up in the balcony right now, and so there are plenty of areas where if you feel uh, be a little safer that you can go and still be close, still participate, still get up and uh, come and join us and, and at least wave, salute. Uh, it is encouraging to see uh, friends and family. And this is uh, a picture somebody made um, <coughs> Easter. My mom and dad had already uh, headed for the hills and uh, so uh, we got a picture of all the rest of us that were here in front of the board and they did a nice little entry board there and it was, uh, that was just a, a couple of weeks ago. And I know, as I've already mentioned once, and I wanna, I really wanna make sure I reiterate it, that in fact, uh, a thank you to all of those that have not only given and support, but have given for special causes and that have been friends. And there are individuals that uh, have become uh, friends of a, a, a church. Uh, some may not ever darken the door. <clears throat> some may not ever actually be in attendance, but they know people that are here. They have heard the work that is being done. They appreciate the energy and the effort and that have donated, whether it's been gifts or prizes or money, when we've held special events for youth boosters, cake auctions, and uh, we give uh, award prizes for some of those things, and we have uh, done fundraisers for our youth to go, and, and, and they have already canceled the NAYC for this year. Uh, they're still planning on having our general conference, but uh, we don't know um, the, how they will do things. I think camps this year will be sort of done where they will go to the night service but they can't have anybody stay and then come back and then drive and so it's going to mean uh, potentially uh, finding and buying a, a better roadworthy vehicle so our youth can go and be together and, and uh, we uh, had one van that was not roadworthy that someone in the parking lot of a church uh, <coughs> felt like the palladium in the catalytic converter was worth enough that they would get crawl under there and take it from us which was very kind of them. 
And uh, no, it wasn't kind of them. I, 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 you know, there would have been a time, I'm sure, when I would have probably thought people would have had more of the fear of God than to do that in a church parking lot. But uh, we live in a different day and uh, we live in a different hour. And I thank you for those that are uh, doing their best. And I know uh, Brother Nick uh, quoted a verse in John, the 15th chapter. He quoted, I think, 14 and 15, and I will get to that. But uh, 12 and 13 of that same chapter says it like this. This is my commandment that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. Friends, there it is. And of course, the 14th verse and the 15th verse are a couple of key verses that follow Jesus' explanation of these two verses. Jesus talked about friends in other areas. He said in the book of Matthew, you have it recorded where the disciples came in to Jesus and they admonished him, your mother and your brothers are outside and your family is out there and you need to sort of go speak with, they want to speak to you. And when you read it in one of the versions, they were a little bit uh, embarrassed, uh, uh, a little bit uh, <clears throat> sort of uh, correcting. Uh, they were uh, in a disciplinary mode. You'll find that his mother and brothers at that time were wanting him to tone it down a little bit. Jesus, of course, knew that. And he said to his disciples, uh, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? And then he stretched forth his hand to his disciples and said, um, here are my mother and my brothers, for whosoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and my mother. And so Jesus made a statement about family. That same statement, John sort of opened his book up by saying um, in John the first chapter and that the first verse he said in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. Now what we know is and it's been on our marquee our sign out here and when I came here 17 years ago one of the tags or bylines for the church was a statement that I have really enjoyed and I have appreciated where your friends become family. How many remember that? It was on all the stuff. It's on the sign out there. Where your friends become your family. And so here we look at that. And I, I recognize that we are looking at, you know, where your friends become your family is one of our bylines. And yet... Jesus, as I said, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. Jesus turned the whole idea of family upside down. Normally we would think that family members were closer than friends. We would go, that's my family, that's my blood. And yet Jesus in the 12th chapter of Matthew says, who is my mother and my father? These that do the will of the Father 
They are my sisters and my brothers. And we say where your friends become your family. And yet, as you continue and you look on down in that St. John, the first chapter, it said, he came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the family of God. So when we say where your friends become your family, we're not talking about just an, a family like you would think just simply a biological family, but a family that's even closer than that because we're part of the family of God. You see, there is, you can have biological family, you can have friends, but when your friends become part of the family of God, then all of a sudden you're more related than you've ever been. Amen. All of a sudden there's a closer connection than you've ever had. Sometimes that, people find that strange because they look and they go, how can you desert your family and go to church on Sunday morning somewhere else? Because all of a sudden, I'm not deserting my family, but this has become part of a new family, the family of God. And so Jesus was, John wrote about this. He said, but as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to those that believe on his name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, but of the will of man but of God. Amazing. He said, when you are born, now of course John knew that the, as Nicodemus had, had asked, how are you born again of the water and of the spirit? And yet we understand that there is a new birth and we preach and teach and believe that coming to God is more than just simply joining a church and saying a creed and shaking someone's hand, but that we want a new birth to happen. Not just, and we want you to be baptized in Jesus' name and take on a new name, a new family name. And we want you to receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that's, that's powerful. But we are also wanting you to be born again so that you are part of the family of God. Because where your friends become your family. He goes on and says, which were born not of blood, of will of man, or the will of flesh, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us. We beheld his glory as the only glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And so I read those verses. I read St. John, the 15th chapter, that Brother Nick quoted, 14 and 15, about a friend, loves at all times. No greater love is this than a man lay down his life for his friends. That's a powerful friendship. Now here's the confession. You've been waiting for it all morning. I didn't care. I really didn't like. It was okay. I didn't hate it. But I didn't really care for that friend. I am a friend of God song. You guys did a great job. But I always just kind of like, I am a chum of God. I am this, you know, me and God are tight. 
Look at me, he's my buddy. And I was raised, and it's their fault, they're sitting over there. <laughs> with a great, austere respect for God. You didn't walk into church with your head covered. You didn't, you had a respect. You were respectful. You didn't do certain things in the house of God. You didn't wear certain things. You didn't look certain ways. You didn't. Why? Not because of this place was any different than necessarily than any other, except that this was where we met God. And there was a sense, as my wife mentioned, the funeral of, you know, the, uh, what was his name even? Forgot. Prince Philip. You know, you, you, you dress to go see a king or to go see a president or to go see a governor or to go to a special event. You know, in fact, if you were going to go for a, you know, a, a special meal, usually you dress different. Going to McDonald's as you do to Longhorn Steak Place. Now, maybe you can say, well, I wear the same. It doesn't matter to me. I don't care. Well, maybe if you went to, you know, Ruth Chris or uh, someplace, you know, more exclusive. You know, you don't go in there necessarily all tattered and torn. And I realize, you know, that our world has transitioned and I get it. I I was there and when, you know, the first time uh, the President Clinton had what he called a blue jean bash and he wanted everybody to come and wear blue jeans and it was just a shake up of the White House because nobody had ever come in blue jeans to the White House and they advertised it as a blue jean bash and, uh, uh, and we went out, we were invited, and my, I, she bought a brand new blue jean skirt, and I, brought, I couldn't wear old blue jeans to it. I couldn't, I didn't feel comfortable. Now, maybe you could have come with rips and tears, and I realize some of them these days, you know, you pay extra for the rips and tears. I get it. But I was raised with this respect of God. So that song, I am a friend of God, was like, ah, okay, I'm a friend of God. And for a while, it just seemed like everywhere I went, they sang it. I am a friend of God. And I was just like, oh man. So that's my confession. Then I begin to study where these verses come from in St. John the 15th chapter. And I realized that being a friend of God was quite a privilege. It was quite an honor. And I hope that I am a friend of God. And it's not like what we call friends, and I appreciate all the friends and guests that are here. But you read St. John the 15th chapter, and you get a sense of what it really means to be a friend of God. Because it's something that we can talk about, and then yet, here it is. I know, you know, 
and you, as you go through and just start and put the, put the words in context, St. John the 15th chapter started, we'll just look at all the verses here and we'll kind of go slow and, well, not too slow because we still got a hot dog waiting and I want to be a good friend. But look what, how he opens up St. John the 15th chapter. He says, I am the true vine. The father is the husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. Every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Now you are clean through the word that I have spoken unto you. Abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except you abide in the vine. You no more can ye, except ye abide in me. Verse I am the vine, verse 5. You are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he's cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gathered together, gather them and cast them into the fire and they are burned. If you abide in me, my words abide in you. You shall ask what you will and it shall be done unto you. We're going to get to the friend verse. But how he starts off this discussion is I'm the branch, you're the vine. That's strictly a receiving mode. If you're going to be a friend of God, you've got to be willing to humble yourself and receive from God. He says in one place in Revelation, I stand at the door and I can sit in church and never receive anything. I can come to church, not receive a blessing. I can sit and not ever be a vine. I can never connect myself to the branch. Well, I don't really want to be a part of that. I want to be separate. I don't want, I don't want to be, I don't want all that stuff flowing through me. But you'll notice these words, abide, abide, connected, vine, life, fruit, which we would call the fruit of the Spirit. And he was talking about, I'm the branch, you're the vine, what? I'm the vine, you're the branch, Jesus is the branch. And he was saying, you know, the vine's got to stay connected to the branch. The branch is connected to God. And unless you understand that if you're not connected, you cannot ever be a friend of God. And it works in the friends anyway. If you are never connected to your friends, are they really a friend? If you're never, you know, family is only connected because of blood. You don't get to choose. It's just, ooh, I happen to be born in this family and I happen to have these parents and I happen to have this. And I've seen people sort of walk away from family. Say, I don't want to be connected to them. They're all hoodlums. They're all mean. They're all religious. Whatever. 
So therefore, I don't want to be connected. And what Jesus starts off this 15th chapter says, unless you abide, connect, unless you are ever in a receiving mode from God, you'll never be his friend. You've got to be willing to say, Lord, I'm willing to receive from you. If I don't receive, then there, there's no way I can get to the friend verse. Just keep reading. The next, the next verse, eighth verse says, Herein is my Father glorified, that you bear much fruit, so ye shall be my... Now he, knows, he goes from being just a vine to now I'm going to be a what? Disciple. Now, that's a whole nother level of, before you get to friendship, we don't think of it that way, but before you get to a friend of God, you've got to be willing to be part of the vine. If you're not part of a body, you're not connected to a body, you're not connected to a family, <laughs> you'll never make it to being a disciple. You can say, well, I can be my own disciple of God on my own. And very difficult right, right. to make the jump. Vine, I'm not going to be a vine, but I want to be a disciple. Why? Because he said, you've got to bear fruit. And disciples develop something that's a little different. Let's hear what the word says. What does it say? As the Father hath... So I have, continue ye in my, what is I want to be a, I want to be connected to God, okay? When you get connected to God, the next thing that's going to happen is he's going to want you to be a disciple of God. When you become a disciple of God, it's going to change you emotionally. You bear fruit, the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit of love, peace, joy, all of that. But then all of a sudden, you start having love. If you keep my commandments, you shall abide in my love. Even as I have kept the Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things that I have written unto you that my joy may remain in you and that your joy might be full. <laughs> wow, what are you saying? I'm saying that all of a sudden, disciples, when you really become, you know, you can produce fruit, you can have the fruit of the Spirit, you can do all that, but when you become a disciple, you start following the Lord, you start learning from God, you start fellowshipping because there's going to be genuine love there. You're going to love. You say, well, I don't love anybody. They're not lovable. That's great. You'll never be a disciple. You have to be a disciple. You have to love somebody. You have to put yourself out for somebody. It's just something about being a disciple that you love. By this will all men shall be known as my disciples. You know? In fact, he said, if you continue in my word in the 8th chapter, you shall be my disciples indeed. In the 13th chapter, by this man shall all men know that you are my disciples. How are they going to know if you're a disciple? If you... I can't stand all those people down there. There's a bunch of hypocrites, a bunch of idiots. I don't like them. It's not a... 
I'm sorry, that's not an indictment against all them people. It's a disciple, it's it's an indictment on how much discipleship you're allowing in you. Because you ought to be able to feel love and if nothing else, pity all of us stupid people. You understand? Well, if you see somebody's fault, I, oh, poor, he wear a green, green shirt, terrible. Horrible look, color on him. But he just doesn't know better. Do you understand what I'm saying? You feel pit, you feel love. This is somebody that I love. By all this shall men know that you're my disciples, that you love. (laughs) Then we hit those verses that we started with. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love hath no man than this, that he lay down his life for his friends. What makes someone a friend? That you love them enough that you would do anything for them. The Bible says it in one place, a friend loves how long? At all times. A brother is created for what? Adversity. And you know, have you ever been going through something? And man, somebody reach out in church and say, I'm praying for you. And put their arm around you and say, I love you. And I want you to know we're thinking about you. And we're believing for you. And we're... That's that, that man, that does something to you. A friend loves at all times. And he says... Greater love hath no man than this and to lay down his life for his friends. And then he begins to show what makes someone reach friendship with God. And the first thing it is, and we would say this is true from a natural standpoint, notice in verse 14 and 15. These are the verses that Brother Nick read. You are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his master, what his Lord does. But I've called you friends, for all things I have heard of my Father I have made known unto you. Friends share words and secrets. Huh? If you're a friend, you know, do you know what happened to so-and-so? Well, you know what so-and-so said? Huh? Friends share texts, emails, secrets, talk. Huh? Jesus said, if you're my friend, you're going to know what I'm thinking. What I'm doing. And I want to know what you're thinking. And what you're doing. You don't just say, oh, well, I have a friend, but I'm not going to, they're not going to know anything about me. Friends are, they're wanting to know all about you. They're wanting to check in on you. All right? So he said, here's what makes a friend is number one, you share secrets. Number two, verse 16, 
You have not chosen me, but I chose you and ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. That whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you that you love one another. <clears throat> if the world hate you, you shall know it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love his own. But because you are not of the world, but I have chosen you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Friends share feelings. Right? They love one another. And feel what it is to go through pain. and Feel what it is to feel hurt. And they share feelings. It's hard when you're a friend. And you see your friend going through something. With God, the same is true. If you're going to be a friend of God, it's easy song to sing. I am a friend of God. But if I'm going to be a friend of God, I've got to share the feelings of God. I've got to know what you're feeling, Lord, and I want to feel it. I want to feel the heartbeat of God for a love for some lost sinner, a heartbeat of God, for the love for the church, a heartbeat of God, for the love for each other, the heartbeat of God, for the love of people, the heartbeat of God, for the love of what can I do for God? I want to do something for God. Oh, I want to have a friend, but I don't want to ever share any feelings with them. They're not going to be much of a friend. So on family and friends day, the fact that somebody invited you showed that they love you enough. They want you to feel what they're feeling. They want you to feel the presence of God like they feel the presence of God. The fact that somebody cared enough to say, would you join me, is because they say, I want you to share my feelings. When we have a good service and when we come out and we're rejoicing and, and praising God, we want you to share that. You say, oh, pastor, I, I want to be a friend, but I don't want that much. And so then he goes on. What, what makes a friend? And from 20 verse 20 to 25 of St. John, the 15th chapter, remember the word that I said unto you, the servant is not greater than the Lord. Oh, this is the next part of friendship that I don't really... I wish he wouldn't have gotten into this in this chapter. If they persecuted me, what are they going to do to you? Mm. If they have kept my saying, they will keep yours. But all these things I've done unto you for my name's sake, because they know not him that sent me. If I had not come and spoken unto them, they had not sinned. But now they have no cloak for their sin. He that hateth me hateth my father also. If I had not done among them the works which none other man did, they had not they not had not had sin, but now have they both seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled that is written in their law. They hated me without a cause. He said, if you're really my friend, you may get persecuted. If they don't like me. Isn't it 
amazing how you can have friends and then as you make a decision to try to live for God all of a sudden those that don't want to really live for God oh I'm kind of busy tonight huh Oh, I, I don't. Oh, I want to be your friend, but I don't want to be friends with your other friend. Boy, and then it becomes a real tough thing. Do I choose God or do I choose you? <laughs> Who do I call my friend? If I'm going to say I am a friend of God, know that you're going to suffer a little persecution. Amen. May not go to Calvary, may not be crucified, but you're going to have folks at times go, oh, come on, you ought to, you know, if you're out, you ought to be with me, you're going to do X, Y, Z. Huh? Oh, you know, you're either going to share his pain or the pain of losing their friendship. And that's been always the tough part for people that try to become a friend of God. It's not that they try to get rid of their friends. It's not that they don't love their friends. It's not that they don't love family. But it's all of a sudden my relationship with him has reached a point that I don't want to do anything to offend him. So therefore I can't do with you because I want his friendship 24-7, 365. Huh? And it has caused people to misjudge people and say you think you're better and you think you do you're, you just act like you're better it's I am not better if you knew me you would know boy pastor's not better but it's that I got a great friend and he wants me to be better and he puts something in me to try to help make me better and I grieve when I know I'm offending and while I love him, I love you, but you've got to know greater love hath no man than this. And I felt his love. And because I have embraced his love, you have to understand, I would love to have your friendship and I would love for you to be willing to be my friend. But if it violates that friend, I'm sorry. Amen. I love you. I want to be your friend. You're my family. But there's a friendship that I have been joined to that goes beyond just blood and goes beyond just simply friendship of the world. And, and, and then he said, 
you know, and, and that's hard. And I know it's hard. And I've, I've, I've seen young folk struggle with it because they have friends at school and they have friends that they've met and they get to I've seen it. I've seen it. We've all gone through it. We've all felt it because there's times when all of a sudden that in my devotion and my time with God I, and my prayer and I, and I feel the Lord talking to me and he says, you know, you shouldn't say that. You shouldn't do that. And, and, and all of a sudden I, I know, but if I do that, then it's going to make them upset and it's going to hurt their feet. Huh? And then the dilemma and the pain and the persecution and the feeling of, do I follow my, my friend? Or what do I follow? And what do I do? Am I going to stay connected to the vine? I mean, to the branch? I'm the vine. Am I going to stay connected there? Or am I going to sever that connection and find another one? And just say, well, I'm his friend, but am I a friend in mouth or am I willing to share his secrets? Am I willing to share his emotions? Am I willing to share his suffering? And the last two verses of the chapter, but when the comforter has come, whom I will send unto you from the Father, even the Spirit of truth, which proceeds from the Father, he shall testify of me. You shall be wet witnesses, bear witnesses, because you have been with me from the beginning. He was telling his disciples, I want you to know these last two verses is, you share my friendship. If you share my friendship, you're going to share my consolation. Oh, the comforter is coming. And you're going to get to share the comforter. When you share with me the suffering. In fact, when we have, he says, both they have seen and hated both me and my father. But this cometh to pass, that the word might be fulfilled, which was written in their law. They hated me without a cause. And they share, he says, because you have been with me from the beginning. I'm sorry. The next slide. There, there it is. And he, and he says, we share his consolation. Paul wrote it like this. Bless me God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort who comfort us all in our tribulation that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble by the comfort wherein we have also ourselves are comforted of God. For as the sufferings of Christ abound in us, so our consolation also abound by Christ. The only reason we can comfort someone in this world and give them a blessing card is because at one point we've shared the pain of being a friend of God. Last Sunday we gave out blessing cards. We have them here. And if you didn't get one, we're going to ask when we stand in a moment for the ushers to come by and give you a blessing card. But you don't get the consolation of the future blessing. We sang it today. I can only imagine. I can only imagine. You know why we can have that consolation? It's because you're a friend of God. When you share the friendship of God, 
you can share the hope of the consolation. You remember Simeon, the old gentleman, that when the baby Jesus, and Nick mentioned that he's a new dad, and Brylan came, and, and I saw her, her mother brought her in, baby six, seven days old, eight, seven, eight days, nine days, eight, nine days old. You'll see her, she's here. And, I, and when they brought this little... 14-year-old day old baby in and Simeon was standing in the temple. You remember what he took the baby Jesus in his arms and what he said? Huh? Mine eyes have seen what? The consolation. What does that mean? The future hope. Why is it that you People have this hope. What is it that keeps you hopeful in the middle of a pandemic? What is it that keeps you joyful in the middle of all that's going on? What is it that keeps you with a smile on your face? And, and you know, sure, do you ever battle? Yes, do you battle frustrations and mental and physical and problems? Do you ever fight fear? Yes. Do you ever fight anxiety? Yes. But what is it that becomes that anchor? I have a consolation. You know how I got that? Because I'm a friend of God. And being a friend of God, he whispers in my ear, they that suffer with me shall also hang on when you pass through the water. It's not going to overflow you. When you go through the fire, no matter what's going on, how do you have that? It's not some spiritual Prozac that we take. It's that I've got a friend whispering in my ear. Yea, though you walk through the valley, I will never leave you. What's going on? My friend's talking to me. Shh. We can, I can do all things through Christ. God's able to help us. God's able to give us strength. God's able to... How do you know that? How can you say that? How can you feel that? Because I got a friend talking to me. I am a friend of God. He shares his secrets with me. Oh, and what's so amazing is if you're here and you found and you want to be a a closer friend. You, you're, maybe you're a vine and you want to become a disciple. Maybe you're a disciple and you want to be a friend. I, wherever you are on the continuum, I would pray that you move from just being a believer. You can believe that he exists, that he is real, to becoming connected to him. Let him pour his spirit through you. Be a disciple. Take his name. Be one of his followers. Be willing to say, I'll follow. Yes, I was there. I followed him. Be a disciple. But what he told his disciples is, guess what? I got a whole nother level I'm willing to give you. You can be my friend. What a privilege it is. Hallelujah. Let's stand. I'm thankful that all of our friends are here. I'm thankful that all of our family is here. We're going to worship the Lord. If you need the Holy Ghost, you're welcome to come. If you feel comfortable, you want to come and just take a moment and let the Lord whisper in your ear. Maybe you've been going through it. Maybe the enemy has been clouding your mind and filling your heart with fear.
Paul told Timothy, he's not given us that spirit of fear, but of love and of power. The altar is open while this choir sings. You're welcome to just raise your hands or move forward and find yourself connected to Almighty God. Hallelujah. Just to be close to you is my desire. 